Jared of the GM and a Fireball Hot Take Friday. Titans and Chiefs on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes will play. Out for the Titans. Delaney Walker is out. Jayon Brown is out. Jarrell Casey is out. And Corey Davis is doubtful with a hip injury. So I don't even love Corey Davis that much. But the idea of trying to beat the Chiefs without Corey Davis, uh, I'm not sure how that sits with me going now. Next guy up. Can't cry over it. Do you think Next they'll pick up? Go. Do you think they'll pick up Davis's fifth year option? I have no clue. I mean, he is running himself the risk right now. But we're talking about the Titans and again, the Kansas City game. If you have faith that maybe the Titans will go out there and do it and get their season back on track and maybe the Titans like the Cowboys last year who were 3 and 5 and ended up making the playoffs and winning their division and going to the division round of the playoffs. Maybe the Titans can do that. But I think it's just starting to hit that this week may be the sixth loss. And that's a magic number, especially in November. Let's go to your phones as promised. On a Fireball Hot Take Friday, Jake is going to kick us off this hour. Go ahead, Jake. Hey, Jared. Uh, I just wanted to call because you were saying that uh, you haven't noticed any improvement in the Titans from Malarkey to now. Um, I wanted to point out that uh, like, maybe your logic is coming from thinking that the other teams don't also get to draft players because, I mean, all of the teams have gotten better in the division. That's not true. Um, that is not true. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not a better team. Well, they're not the ones that you're worried about. You're worried about Houston and Indy. But then you were worried about Jacksonville, who was ahead of you. But I'm just saying that the division as a whole, I'm not individual teams. I'm no, you, you can't cherry pick. I, I hear what you're saying. You can't cherry pick the division and say, well, it's better now, even though one team that was really, really good then is now significantly worse. Well, then why can't that same logic happen with the Titans? Why couldn't they have been really bad and now they're really good but other teams have went from really bad to really good because the titans aren't beating any of those teams because those teams have gotten better that's what i'm saying right but do we hold the titans to the standard of just get better and see how it goes or do we hold the titans of get better and win some football games um i mean it's the tennessee titans so you're probably holding holding them to the well if you win a few games i mean that's better than what we've seen recently well okay so if, so if that's where you want to live and that's fine a lot a lot of people probably are are okay with that um you know a lot of people are probably like you know what i call this the vanderbilt approach just go out there and give me a good season you know just give me a good season win some games and then you know i'll move on with my life I don't feel like that's the way an NFL team should, or an NFL fan base should feel about their team. Well, I mean, you know, what was it, four years ago you won three games. So would you rather be there? Five years ago you won two games. Two years ago you won the playoffs. You want to be there? I want to be back in the playoffs. I mean, I think, you know, I think it all depends on on where you started and where you're going. And, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to end up? I mean, the truth is, if you – and this is this is the problem you run into with the quarterback. I know we're not talking about the quarterback, but it's probably a good idea to talk about him. True. To get, to get, to get something that would find something that's positive here. If you could get – when you get the quarterback, if you get to a point where you're winning nine or ten games, a la Andy Dalton, is that where you want to be? You want to be there, you know, or you are you gonna you want looking for Tom Brady? 
Because, I mean, that's and that's the, the question every team has to ask themselves. And they, the the uh, fairy tale, tale you know, uh, hope is that, yeah, no, I want Tom Brady. Okay. Then we'll, we'll draft every quarterback for about the next decade, and, and one of them will be Tom Brady. But until that happens, you got no chance. I mean, I, I just want Jacoby Brissett right now. I'm talking about Tom Brady. I'll take Jacoby Brissett. And I actually think Tannehill's doing a good job. I mean, the, the left tackle's of $80 million left tackle, and the guy's too busy doing podcasts to be able to keep his hands off the other guy's face mask. I mean, that's, he's too busy taking 27 supplements to be able to play all 16 games. That's a frustrating thing for me. I, it's just all frustrating. It's so frustrating with the Titans, and honestly, not that I think a coach can really make a difference because all fans care about our wins and losses, and they really don't care about the personality of the coach. But sometimes I feel like Vrabel doesn't make things better for fans to feel more confident or for fans to believe in him or believe in the team more. Uh, not that I think that it really matters that much because deep down inside, I mean, the fans will love Vrabel if he wins and they'll hate Vrabel if he loses. And that's as yeah, as and that. Vrabel is pretty honest. I mean, Vrabel is not fairy tale. You know, he's I don't not, know. You listen to him talking about the not, kicker and he's, he's not pretty fairy tale. giving you any smoke he's not yeah we're gonna go out there we're gonna win 12 games are you really no but he did give you, you the know? good to great smoke so well i see I, the mistake he made there is not the good to great concept but that he let it get out that it was public yeah yeah i mean that was supposed to be a team thing and it got out and as soon as it got out and it was a, a mistake that's why it's so hard to keep things like that under wraps oh yeah good to great is totally blown up in his face it's like everybody's cool with Bill Belichick's Do Your Job now, and they make T-shirts and hats with it and all that kind of stuff. But Do Your Job is only, like, it's cool when everybody does their job and there's no complaining and all this. You, do, you, you don't have that, and something gets awry, and then everyone's like, well, what about Do Your Job, Bill? You know, but because Bill wins every game, everyone's like, yeah, Do Your Job. So it's a little different. You know, like if the Titans were 8-1, and one, we'd say good to great. That's it. Good to great. Uh, let's go to Tyreekus, who's up next. What's up, Tyreekus? How you guys doing, man? You guys might not believe me, man, but I think the Titans are on the right path, man, because you know, the, the problems that we used to see, we're not seeing them anymore. We got our, I feel like we upgraded our quarterback. But this is my question right here, man. You guys might not believe me, but I listen to you guys' radio stations a lot, and it's like when we win games, I can hear you guys. Yeah, man, Don Robinson, draft players, they look great. These guys are going to be great in the future. He did a good job. But right when we lose a game, no, they're not cutting it. He got to go. This guy got to go. This guy, I'm like, man, what is going on? It's like you guys are worse than the fans sometimes. I mean, no disrespect to y'all because I listen to y'all show. I just want to know what you guys got to say about being a female sometimes. <laughs> easy, easy now. Thank you, Tyreekus. I mean, I I can't. I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, the only thing that I've really gotten excited about the last month is Tannehill. That is, and I, I like Tannehill. I mean, I think Tannehill's a good quarterback. Even when they went to Carolina and they lost, I walked out of that game and I thought Tannehill played great. I mean, I still think Tannehill. It's like I went on the radio in Kansas City this week, and I was like, "Look, I think Tannehill's good. I'm not sure it masks the other problems with the team." But I think Tannehill's good. I think where it's hitting me today is the idea that I I don't feel like the Titans are going to be competitive in a game that they should be competitive in. This is a game, you know, if you go good to great, 
Like if Houston can. What beat, makes you think you should be competitive in this game? Houston beat them. Indy beat them, and those are the teams that we think the Titans should be competing with. With 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 or without Mahomes, uh, they beat them both with Mahomes. Yeah, I don't know because we the, the the Kansas City teams that we've seen, especially last year, not as much this year because he's been hurt. But this, but last year, I mean, none of those teams keep up with. None of them. I mean, it was a miracle that you won that playoff game you won. And we all know about the Kelsey hit and all of that, but it was truly a miracle that you won that game in Kansas City. Bucker missed a field goal. Mariota throws a touchdown pass to himself. I'm trying to think of some of the other wacky things that happened. The guy drops the ball at the end of the game. Like, there's a lot of some stuff really that happened. Some odd, the, unique things, huh? Yeah, just a Some wild. really just finding a way to win kind of things. Well, the thing just that changed crazy, that game. like you can't, how, you think anybody discussed that before well, the game? the thing that changed that game was. This is the way we're going to win the game. We're going to have a quarterback throw a pass to himself. No, but at <laughs> and halftime. And then we're going to knock the tight end out of the I, game. I remember at halftime, they were down by 18. <laughs> and I remember I was driving to the station because Chris Sanders and I did the postgame show that day. And I remember Coach McGinnis saying, get back to the run. Get back to the run. And Derrick Henry took over that second half. And that, that was the difference. Let's go to Corey, who's up next. What's up, Corey? Hey, guys. Um, two things real quick. If you're going to change the regime because of uh, the record or because of playoff performance, I think it's fair that if that's your standard then, then that should be your standard at some point now. Now, when we talk about, you know, the, the, the New Englands and the Pittsburghs of the world, the thing is is that they have some things in common. They have stability at key positions like quarterback, like, you know, the head coach. Um, they have a system, and they buy into that system, and they, and they go with the system. When you have all this, all this change every two or three years because people get frustrated and impatient, you never have any stability to get a system in this key personnel in place. Now, I'm not saying stability for the sake of stability if you know that it isn't the right personnel, but if you're, getting, if you're getting frustrated just because it's taking time every two or three years, all you're doing is starting the cycle over. I don't disagree with that. Thank you for the call, Corey. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't. And that was, I think, one of the reasons why they wanted to hire, why they wanted to keep Mike Malarkey was because they wanted to have the stability. And then, for whatever reason, whether it was Robisky, whether it was him and J-Rob not getting along, whatever reason, um, you know, they, they decided to change it all up. And I don't think Vrabel's necessarily a bad coach. I feel at times as if Vrabel might be in over his head. I don't know. I think the coaching staff is a bigger problem than the head coach. If that makes any sense. I don't know. But I feel like Vrabel doesn't want to change the coaches because he didn't change them after last year. Yeah, again, I I mean, I haven't heard him talk about it. I haven't heard anybody talk about it, so I don't know. Well, why would he talk about it? If he's not going to fire a guy, why would he come out and say, well, yeah, I don't really like my offensive line coach or my special teams coach. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. Whatever people say is pure speculation, you know. Because nobody knows. I'm just telling you, I think the line coach stinks and the special teams coach stinks. I think Aukerman is the worst. I think he, oh, every game it's something new with the special teams. Every game. Corey Curtis, News 2, will join us coming up next on Jared and the GM. What does he think about the Titans' chances against Kansas City? What does he think about how I feel like it's finally hit me? 
I feel like it's hit me. We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM, we're live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Fireball Hot Take Friday, the hottest take of the day. We'll win a pair of tickets to see Burt Kreischer at the Ryman Auditorium on Saturday, April 18th, plus a Fireball t-shirt. Get excited about that. Titans and Chiefs on Sunday, and reality is starting to set in with me. A loss against the Chiefs would make it magic number six on November 10th or whatever it is, and it worries me, Floyd Reese, that that may be the season. And this good-to-great season may go from good and 9-7 and seven and Mariota Hurt to... Uh, not great, not good, no quarterback, and that's where I'm worried the Titans may be. And Corey Curtis from News 2 joins us now on the show. Corey, am I wrong on this Fireball Hot Take Friday <laughs> to be so down in the dumps on the Titans? Um, well, look, to be so down in the dumps, yeah, because they're not the Bengals and they're not the Jets, okay? We've, we've seen what that looks like, and that's awful, and they're not there. But it is okay to be disappointed. It is okay because we were told when this coaching staff came in that 9-7 and seven was not good enough, that the Marcus Mariota passing offense was not good enough. They were going to elevate it. They have not delivered for whatever reason, for whoever you want to blame. They have not delivered for two years, and it's okay to be disappointed in that. Do you believe the external factors, though, the, the Colts and Texans are better, the uh, you know, the quarterback got hurt last year. The quarterback didn't work out this year. The the non the things that would I guess be excuses for why the Titans don't feel like a competitive team anymore. Do you buy those or do you not buy those? For me, like the kicking game I think is the biggest problem this year and I can't blame the coach for the fact that the kickers can't make kicks. Um no, I don't buy that at all. Um because you play whoever you play every year. And, and when you play well, you play well, win or lose. We all know what it looks like. We all know what good looks like, and we all know what bad looks like. Even when the Titans won against the Bucks and the Chargers, were any of us in love with those victories? No, because those victories didn't look great. We were like, they were fortunate. Um, you know, had a couple of things go their way to pull those games out. And bottom line is this. Okay, the defense, largely better. I'm going to give you that. Absolutely. Dean P's done a great job. They've added a few pieces that have done really well. But, look, when, when you're committing 11 penalties, where it was 99 yards, all right, penalties are on the rise. That has nothing to do with the opposition. That is all internal. That is all internal every step of the way. When, when you're giving up the second most or most sacks in the league and it's consistent over the last two years, Regardless of who the quarterback is, regardless of who the left guard is or the right guard is or the center is, regardless of who is in there, and regardless really of who you're playing, pass protection 90% of the time has not been good enough. And that's why I say that has nothing to do with the opposition it's as much as it is with the Titans' ability to protect the quarterback. That's entirely internal. Corey, what, uh, what do you think of Tannehill's performance last week? I think he was okay. I mean, they had zero points at halftime. <laughs> that was I mean, it. He was okay. <laughs> he, I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he's not terrible, but he's not enough to fix everything that's wrong with this team. I mean, that's, that's the bottom. I mean, that's, that's what you're seeing. And, and he's Ryan Tannehill. You know, he's decent. But, you know, we, we've seen the best of Tannehill when they played, uh, was it, with the Chargers? 
that's that's about as well as as he can play. Uh, and to me, the Tannehill conversation, the old, I, I don't care about this year. You know, and I hate to be negative about it, but who's the quarterback who's going to take you to the Super Bowl? Do you think he's the quarterback who's going to take you to the Super Bowl? That's the question. You, that's the only question you need to be asking yourself right now. That's it. Because if he's not, then all this is irrelevant, and you got to find the guy next year anyway. What do you um, what What do you think the defense is going to have to do this week to slow them down even a little bit? You know, back in the old days in baseball, they used to soak the field or let the grass grow extra long. <laughs> that may be a strategy to employ. There you go. <laughs> uh, in this in this football game, look, uh, you know. Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey, but you, you kind of like the fact, you know, Kevin Byard has looked really good covering some of these guys. I, I don't, I, you know, Kelsey's going to make his plays. What, what concerns me is Tyreek Hill and, you know, Adoree Jackson having to stick with him. Um, you know, they've got to find a way to keep him under wraps. And, it, you know, it's a broken record. It all comes down to the pass rush. And, unfortunately, Mahomes is – as good as anybody at, at delaying and getting the ball out of there. And what just scares you to death is, is his arm is so strong that, you know, he can extend that play. Everybody can hold up and think the play is over. And all of a sudden Tyreek Hill starts running again and the guy throws the ball 70 yards. Uh, they've got to end plays quickly. I don't know if that's a strategy or not, but they've got to get to Mahomes quickly. And when, when the ball isn't in Mahomes, hands they've got to get that guy down quickly because there's there's too many explosive people on that team Corey curtis news two is our guest what exactly has to happen if the titans are going to win on sunday they have to score i mean the chiefs are going to get theirs they're going to have to score how many uh, they're 31 31 so i said 31. i said i need 14 from from henry 14 from Tannehill for the titans yeah, have any shot that, that 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 gets you close. And listen, Henry should have a good day. He should be an integral part of your offense that includes more than two carries in the first half. He should. You know, you should think about getting that guy some touches without question. You shouldn't wait till the second half to unleash the beast. Um, you know, the, the, but also it would be a good idea to hang on to the football against this team. But field goals aren't going to do you any good on Sunday. They, they got to score touchdowns. I, I said it on TN Nation, which we've already got ready to go for Saturday night. If there is a week that I can get behind Mike Vrabel getting really squirrely on fourth down and going for it, this is absolutely the week. Sure. M- Mike Malarkey, because we've been talking about him all day, he had these kitchen in the sink game, kitchen sink games, you know, like when they played the Colts or when they played the Packers. You open with an onside kick, you throw a halfback pass, and, and you do all these different things. If he wants to do all that this week, I'm down with it because he's going to need points. He's going to need lots of points, regardless of how good the Titans' defense is. If they can hold this team to 24 points, that's a great day for this defense. Corey, we've, uh, it sounds like there's going to be a few guys that are out of this game, but Davis is yeah. one of those that's in between with a hip or something. What's, what, what is his status? Well, it's, it's, they've got him listed as doubtful, and you and I know in this day and age doubtful pretty much means out. What, what is, think, what's a hip? I mean, what? Yeah, you know, there was that play. There was the deep ball last week where he got he drew the pi charge, the call, and it looked like he was a little uncomfortable after that. Um, beyond what that is, I don't know. He's had a good run. He's played in what twenty five consecutive games the last two years, and then also going back to the the year before he played. 
So, I mean, you know, I know like people think he's just injury plate, but he's had a good run of games here. Um, so it's, it's troubling because there's not a lot of good hip injuries. There's, you know, the hip pointer is a bruise, yeah. but I have a hard time seeing a hip pointer keeping a receiver out of the game. So you worry about the hip flexor or you worry about the labrum and some of those things, but I, I'm not a doctor and, and they're not releasing that information. Corey Curtis, Fireball Hot Take Friday. What's your Fireball Hot Take of the Week, Corey? Hope is not a strategy. I've said it before, <laughs> and I'll say it again. Okay? So if you're simply hoping that the Titans are going to get better, I think it's ridiculous because they have shown no ability this year to elevate themselves offensively outside of Tannehill playing a little bit better. But, but... I am going to give you hope. I'm going to give you hope in the statistical arena of all statistical arenas. Andy Reid is 1-7 against the Titans all time. You can argue that the Titans have Andy Reid's number. Corey Curtis going with the Andy Reid element. Corey, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Corey. Uh, All right, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Yep, so on his Andy Reid thing, I can think off the top of my head, a handful of games, Andy has just choked away to the Titans. Including like 2002, he choked away the season opener to the Titans. I want to say they were up 14 with like three minutes to go and McNair let them back. And then, of course, we know about the game uh, where Suckup hit the 53-yarder at the end to get the Titans back into the playoff picture. And, of course, the playoff game where they cho- – Andy has – to Corey Curtis's point, Andy has choked away a handful of games against the Titans in his career. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, I, I'm not big on you know things like that, but you're big on it when it's the other way around. Uh, no, I mean, I don't even care if you know some team you beat beaten ten times. No, you, or we used to get. Well, they've never beaten luck, and they don't ever beat luck, and they've never beaten. Well, that's luck. true. Well, that's that's this. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean I'm not. I'm not basing a fact on you know we can't win because we've never beaten luck. I mean, I'm just telling you the stat, whatever it is. It's just like this one. Oh, one and six. You know, that's pretty good. It's real good. But is it going to have a factor in the game? No. (laughs) It might. Andy might choke this game away because he knows he usually chokes it away against the Titans. Let's hope. Speaking of big games this weekend, Alabama LSU tomorrow. Biggest game of the season. But is it really worth it? The hype we'll discuss next. Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It is ESPN 1025 The Game. Show us why you're the biggest Bama fan. You probably will have to watch tomorrow if you're that big of a Bama fan. But show us why you're the biggest Bama fan for the chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise February 10th through the 15th. The second annual Crimson Tide Cruise will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel and Yucatan, Mexico on board the Carnival Valor. It's a national championship-worthy vacation with your favorite Alabama sports legends. Send us a picture by Twitter with the hashtag Bama Cruise or upload a picture at thegamenashville.com. Book your cruise at crimsontidecruise.com and get $150 off with promo code GAME. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game be playing you know what is the number one team in the nation who's playing at a very high level right now and uh, they're very explosive on offense and still have one of the best defensive teams in the, in, in the country it's Nick Saban talking about the LSU game tomorrow 2.30 CBS and it is a dandy Floyd I don't know about you 
But people have been asking me all weekend, hey, what are you doing? Or all week, what, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow night. But I know what I'm doing tomorrow at 2.30. I, I know what I'm doing tomorrow at 2.30. I'm watching Alabama versus LSU. And I feel like most everybody in the South is going to be watching Alabama-LSU. Most people around the country are probably going to be watching Alabama-LSU. But I do wonder. People are, are bringing this up and saying that this rivals the last time one played two and it was Alabama-LSU, and they called it the game of the century, which was really a field goal and missed field goal fest in which LSU won and then Alabama later went, won in the national championship game. My question for you is, is this game really worth all that hype? That's associated with it right now, like best game ever, biggest game of the season. This is this. Does this game really mean that much that it's worth this kind of hype? Well, I don't know about best game ever and all that kind of stuff, but the best game probably we've seen this year, and and Macy, you know, till you get to the championship. Um, I mean, it's not very often that you see one versus two, and and in a setting like this. In Alabama versus, you know, one of their arch rivals, I mean, on and on and on. So this is, uh, I mean, I'm really excited. This is going to be a great game. I mean, I think this is going to be a, a barn burner. Be fun to watch. Different different from the games that we've seen in the past. Fun to watch. Well, I think that there's a lot of things that are intriguing about this game. But the thing that's tough for me to get over is I feel like even if LSU wins, they still have a really good shot of making the playoff. I mean, if LSU loses. Sure. I feel like they have a great shot to make the playoff. Sure. So it's not like, and this is this is why a lot of people oppose the playoff in general, and it's certainly why people oppose expanding the playoff, is because if LSU loses and they win the rest of their games, and I don't know who the rest of their games are, are against, but I think the meat of their schedule is over after this week. I think there's A and M on you know Black Friday or whatever. And there's like another couple of SEC games hidden in there, but their season, the meat of it is over. The Auburns, the Floridas, the that that's over with. Well, how can it be that big of a game if LSU can lose it and be okay? That's the tough part I have. Well, because Alabama probably can't. Well, I don't know. Alabama has proven to. They, I mean, they've gotten out of the hole before. Yeah. When they were a one-loss non-West, I mean, it's still champion. possible. But I, I think. I mean, I'm. If LSU loses and wins out, I'm fairly confident they're going to make it. I can't say that about Alabama. If they lose and win out, that they'll make it. I can't. I mean, I can't say that. They should. But shouldn't. I can't. I I feel that way about about LSU. They shouldn't. Alabama should not be able to lose a game at home, play nobody on their schedule except for Auburn, and then get into the playoff. But I call it the Saban bump. You know, that's how he got in two years ago. When they ended up winning the title and they really didn't deserve to be in, like that's how they got in. Well, they got in because they were the best team in the country. They won it. Not going into the playoffs, they, they weren't. won it. They were the best team in the country. I said they were the best team in the country when they went in, and I still believe they were the best team in the country. And you know, I don't know how else you prove it besides going and winning games and beating the second best team in the country. I know, but like if you don't deserve to make it and you make it and you still win it, how can you say to me you that's don't not a justification to make it if you're the best team in the country? Because when we got to the the when we got to the moment where they picked the four teams to make it, Alabama's case was shaky. The best team in the country. 
Not then. They were the fourth best team. They were the best team in the country. That's why I love the eyeball test. That's why I love having football people on there to, to, to have the eyeball test. So that you don't rely on all. They were the best team in the country. I thought they were the best team in the country the entire year. Up to and including the championship game. Even when they got housed by and Auburn? Whenever. Whatever happened, yes. Even when it, Georgia was blowing them out early in that championship game, you they thought they were, were going to come back. They were the best team in the country. You thought Saban was going to pull his starting quarterback, bring no, him back up, and they were going to come back doubt. against Georgia. Never had any doubt. Right. And, they, and they went on and won okay. it all. So that makes them the champion, champs. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying they weren't champions that year, and I'm not saying I don't recognize them as champions. I'm just saying that there were a lot of people that argued that they did not belong in the championship that year. And I'm sure there were. And there were. I mean, you could have made a case that UCF belonged in there over Alabama. UCF did, after all, beat Auburn, who Alabama didn't beat. The one team that beat Alabama and Georgia, UCF beat. So, you know, the argument can be made however you want to make. Again, my point here is I think Alabama will get a Saban bump, which is even if they're not truly the best one-loss team – they will be treated as if they're the best one-loss team because Nick Saban's their coach. And there is a, I call it the Saban bump. And you get a bump because Nick Saban's your coach. And for whatever reason that has, it changes people's minds to make them think that your team deserves higher than it should because Nick Saban's their coach. Because Nick Saban has done so much over that period of time. Now, about the game itself tomorrow, I you you're convinced it's going to be a tight game that it's going to be a barn burner that it's going to come down to the end that it's going to be all that it's made out to be. I'm not totally convinced of that. But I think that the outcome of the game will be incredibly fascinating either way. For example, what if LSU goes into Tuscaloosa and blows them out tomorrow? Well, I'd be shocked. But then wouldn't that ruin almost any chance Alabama any argument Alabama would have to make? To get in on the back end at the end of the year when it's, you know, we only lost one game. You lost 41 to 17 at home to LSU. Wasn't like you lost on a field goal in overtime. I mean, you lost 41 17, one of those kind of things. I don't, I mean, I just told you, I think if they lose, they're out. No, I don't think they're out, out. Well, that's, uh, no, they, if, if there could be other teams that lose and they get in, but if everybody wins out, and they lose and win out? Well, you can't have that because Penn think... State and Ohio State can't both win out. Ohio State can win out. Right, but then Penn State's out. Well, I think Penn State's out anyway, so I'm not worried about Penn State. So, you know, you, it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be Alabama, or I mean, I think it's going to be uh, LSU. It's going to be Clemson, uh, Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio State. It's going to be Clemson and then whomever. I still think if if at the end, and Georgia, it, it would be tough. Like where where this would get really tricky, is if Georgia, let's say LSU beats Alabama tomorrow, Georgia beats LSU in the title game, and they all have one loss. Then you're kind of in trouble because Georgia has to go. Who's the uh, uh, LSU wins tomorrow, and then loses a championship Georgia. game? Yes, to Georgia. Then Georgia has to go to the playoffs. Then Georgia and LSU be. So LSU's in over Alabama in that case. Yeah, That may be the only way Alabama doesn't make it if they lose only one game. Because I think Alabama gets in over Oregon, 
and they would use the justification of, hey, Alabama beat Auburn and Oregon didn't beat Auburn. Yeah, exactly. They get in over Oklahoma because Oklahoma, even though they would have beaten Baylor twice, I'd still Oklahoma's resume, you know, is just not. I, again, the Saban bump, I think, puts you ahead of Oklahoma. Well, I mean, if your only loss is to the team that's already in the championship, I mean, one of the Final Four, that's different than, than your loss being to uh, K-State or whoever it was, Oklahoma. Kansas State, or, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit different. Although, you know, sometimes people try to make that argument and they don't they don't take the argument. I mean, it, it's it's so fundamentally flawed. The truth is... And I know Saban's looking at it like this, and I'm sure Ed O's looking at it like this. But if if you win tomorrow, you're in the driver's seat to make the playoff. Then you are by far the number one one-loss team if you lose a game. Like, if you're Ed O, you win tomorrow, you may be able to lose the SEC championship and still make it to the playoff, as we just discussed right there. So that's a big deal. I mean, I, I am excited for this game. I do think this is going to be... The whatever outcome happens utterly fascinates me. Because again, there's four outcomes, right? There's LSU blowout, Alabama blowout, LSU close, Alabama close. And I think there's a storyline to all four of those for whichever one happens. And is the story is just fascinating. Like again, I go back, what if LSU blows out Alabama? What will that tell us about Ed O? What will that tell us about Joe Burrow? What will that tell us about Saban, this team, Tua, the championship? Like, all of that. It it changes even if it's the difference between a close win and a big win. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I want to go over those four. We'll do that next. And we'll take your calls. 615 737 1025 is the phone number. 615 737 1025. Your thoughts on Alabama versus LSU. And is this game truly worth the hype? We'll discuss that coming up next, plus the four scenarios and how concerned is Floyd about Tua's ankle? Jared and the GM. Uh, silly underdog picks. That's right. Make your picks now of the three college football underdog teams you think will win this Saturday. Weekly winners will win a pair of tickets to the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium on Monday, December 30th. Hit up thegamenashville.com or the ESPN, the Game Nashville app, and play today. Silly underdog picks is sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared to the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. The most important thing to keep your eye on for Alabama and for everyone else Alabama must win this game. Nick Saban is the only coach in the last 80 years to win the national championship without winning his division. That dog's not going to hunt this time around. Let's make it clear why that is. This game is more important for Alabama than it is for LSU. So glad you asked me that question. Because this game is at home, and Alabama doesn't have a good win, they, other than Texas A&M, which is not really a good win. So if LSU goes to Alabama, a place that nobody wins, and they've lost three games in the last seven years, then now, and if LSU loses, that's still a really quality loss. If Alabama loses at home, forget about it. That was Paul Feinbaum saying, hey, if Alabama loses this one, see ya, they're not making the playoff. I can't, I can't get there yet. I can't completely agree with that. But... We talked about the four outcomes. Alabama wins big. LSU wins big. Alabama wins close. LSU wins close. And I think there's a different story with each scenario if it unfolds. For example, if Alabama blows out LSU, 
what will be the chatter after the game? What will be the talk on Monday? What will be the talk around college football if Tua goes out there and Alabama just hammers LSU? What are we talking about for the teams? For the teams, the players, the coaches, everything. Well, I mean, for the teams, I think that's it won't make any difference. I think Alabama will be in the driver's seat, and and uh, and LSU will still, you know, be in good shape to make the playoffs. How could LSU be in good shape to make the playoffs? If they have the one loss, the one loss to Alabama, right? Yeah, they're going to do. Even if they get hammered, uh, yeah, I don't score. Nobody looks scored. I mean, you don't care about score. But everyone's watching this game. Yeah, fine. I mean, if they lose, if they lose forty-one to ten, and it's not even close, then I think a lot of people will have doubts. Then the fact that Alabama didn't win their well, conference, yeah, but they won't have doubts about LSU as much as they'll be turned on by Alabama. They're going to say, "See." Alabama, when you got to do it, Alabama and Nick can do it. You know, we've seen that LSU team. That LSU team beat, you know, and they'll go through the teams that they've beaten. They say, so we know they're pretty good. We saw what Alabama did to them. So, I mean, I think it'll be more on Alabama's, the, you know, on their way to another championship than it will be, well, LSU's awful because we know they're not awful. I so believe it's the opposite. Like, I believe that if Alabama wins big, if Alabama wins big, one, I think two is winning the Heisman. Like, this may be the Heisman showdown game. And I know that some of the other guys, like Fields, and they'll have other moments, but there's not going to be a bigger game this season for more exposure than this game. So if one of the two quarterbacks runs away with it, they put themselves, in my opinion, squarely at number one on the Heisman list. So I think if Alabama blows out LSU, Tua's winning the Heisman, Alabama then becomes completely unquestioned again. Because right now, let's not kid ourselves. Like, Alabama, I think you can question Alabama because they haven't beaten anybody very good. Their defense is uh, so-so. Now, we all know they got good players and good coaches and all of that. But but I think we're still, you know, I th- to me, at least, I mean, I still have a little national championship game taste in my mouth about Alabama right now. The idea that Alabama is undeniably uh, great, I think, was was knocked a little bit by what Dabo and Clemson did to them in the title game. So that would get rid of any of that. Alabama's completely unquestioned. They're clearly the number one team in the country if they blow out LSU. And then I think there starts to be some, some doubt around Ed Orgeron of, you know what, Ed can do good things at LSU, but he'll never be able to get them over the hump of beating Nick Saban. That no matter what Ed does at LSU, and Ed's a good recruiter, and everybody like go Tigers, and everybody likes that, and they've got good teams, but Ed will never, he just can't match Saban. At the end of the day, that he cannot go toe-to-toe with Saban. And then I think there will be a lot of people that question Joe Burrow. Not just will he lose the Heisman if, if LSU gets blown out, but I think the idea of Joe Burrow being a number one pick, that I think probably goes out the window. If, not being a first-round pick, but being the number one pick probably goes out the window if they lose big in this game to Alabama. Well, I mean, scouts don't care if they win or lose. 
I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna decide to draft a guy or not draft a guy because they're they're one beat t- team A beat team 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 B. You know, suppose they that he goes out there and throws for four hundred and it is perfect, and they still lose. You think that's going to happen? It's happened. We've seen it happen. I'm talking about losing in a blowout, though. If you lose in a blowout, that's different than losing in a close game. In a blowout, it's like where nothing goes right. (laughs) Okay. Now, if Alabama wins close, I think to your point, I think Alabama will position themselves as the number one team in the country. Alabama will put themselves in the driver's seat to make the playoff. I think LSU's playoff hopes are still very, very, very much alive. If it's a close loss, I think Ed O will probably get credit even if they lose close because they'll say, well, you know what? He and Saban, they, they locked horns for 60 minutes and Alabama made a kick as time expired. But boy, that was a great game. And I still think the Heisman race is up for grabs, but it would probably lean towards Tua if Alabama were to win this game close. I don't see... I, I, I... I mean, I don't. You're looking at all this like a fan, so uh, it's hard for me. I don't, I don't put all that stuff into it. But but I understand what you're doing, and I have no problem with it. You know, now I I personally don't think any of that stuff happens. But that's you don't just think me. the Heisman stuff is affected by this game? No, well, I can see how the Heisman might be expected simply because who are the Heisman Trophy voters? You know, the media. There you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, sure. And, and, I'm I mean, sure it's affected, but right, I don't think these are the two big the, dogs, right? Like they're the two big Heisman dogs. It doesn't right now matter if, if Alabama loses. It doesn't matter if they lose by one or if they lose by eleven. I mean, it's still a loss. And I don't, you know, you yeah, are they going to be thrilled because uh, they trailed the game by thirty points, but. In the last three series, two or three, three touchdowns, and they only lost by a point. You know, is it exciting? Is it good for the game? Yeah. Great for the game. Great to watch. Exciting as heck. But the bottom line is the results are the same. But it's not only because in this sport, qualifying for the playoff is subjective. Like in the NFL, it's completely objective, right? There is no, well, they won Detroit close, but they lost Arizona. There right. is none of that in the NFL. The NFL, what's your record? What are the tiebreakers? You're in, you're out. What's your record say? Yep. College football is different. Well, championship is. Right. To get in there is subjective. So it does matter how you win and how you lose, especially when you're playing the most well, see, visible I, I, game. I, yeah, I don't think that's right. I mean, I don't think it does matter. I think it's still a matter of wins and losses. I mean, you can't. I don't care if you if you lose two games by a half a point, and you are without a doubt everybody. You're the best team in the country. Everybody would tell you that, but you lost two games. I mean, you're not getting in. I don't care. Sorry. No, but you're I, done. I go back to the first year of the playoff when TCU and Baylor were ahead of Ohio State, and JT Barrett got hurt, so everybody just wrote Ohio State off. Ohio State plays in the Big Ten Championship with Cardale Jones at quarterback. They beat Wisconsin 70 to nothing, and they elevate Ohio State from six to four, kick the other two out, and Ohio State goes on and wins the national championship. All Ohio State did was wow the committee by winning 70 to nothing in that game against Wisconsin. I do think style points matter. I don't see. I mean, I don't. They won the game. 
and the eyeball test kicks in. Okay, who's better, TCU? That's completely subjective. TCU or Ohio State? Which is easier to say when you win seventy to nothing. But it's, uh, the well, eyeball I mean, test is may, the definition it, of subjectivity. It, it, it may it may influence you, but I don't think if you're a coach, you don't look at it and say, "Well, how good's the team?" Well, I don't know how much they win by. Nobody does that. I mean, did they win? Is it a W or an L? Okay, they beat so-and-so. But they just barely beat them. Well, I don't care. They beat them, right? But it's not all coaches on the committee. There's a lot of administrators. There's a lot of athletic directors. Which takes me back to my original discussion when we first started talking about it. I want all football people. But it's not all football people. I don't care about administrative people. Again, it's, you cannot like that there are administrative people on this committee, but there are administrative people on this committee. Right. And you talk about that's why I like the eyeball test. The eyeball test is the definition of subjectivity. Well, yeah, but I, those people on that – now, this is just my assumption. Those people on that committee if, – if I'm the PR director at Clemson – that's a bad example. But if I'm a PR director at North Carolina – and I have to go in and decide which team, and I'm sitting next to uh, to some football legend, and he votes a certain way, I think I'm probably voting that same way. <laughs> Why? You and I disagree all the time. You were in the league 40 years. I've been to My point exactly. Games. If somebody was sitting next between us and they had to vote, I, I would bet, I would hope they would vote with me. <laughs> a lot of times we take callers who agree with me. Oh. <laughs> and I will say this, too. I go back to this. If LSU blows out Alabama, I think Joe Burrow wins the Heisman. I think Ed O cements his legacy. This is a this is other than winning the national championship, this is the number one thing. This is the best thing Ed O could do at LSU other than win the national title is win this Saturday and blow out Alabama. Because there's a certain hatred about Nick Saban, even though the LSU fans are thankful for their national title, Saban got them. There is something about having a coach who can beat Nick Saban. And so I think that there's there's a lot on the line if LSU were to blow them out. And then if they blow out Alabama, I don't think Alabama makes it. I think Alabama could make it. Alabama could find their way in if they lose close. Because, again, at the end of the day, it's a subjective test. So margin of victory does matter in a subjective test. Okay. I mean, I give you facts about what happened in 2007. You give me nothing. Ohio State over Wisconsin. Ohio State got in the playoff. That's your opinion. It it wouldn't have made any difference to the football people if it was seven to nothing or seventy to nothing. Makes no difference. Ian, do you really believe that? I mean, it's hard to say because I'm not a football person, and I don't really know if they think like that. But but Ohio State won seventy nothing. Got a lot the of other non-football people probably are on your side. Oh, I'm I'm sure of that. Ohio State was and out, that, and that's part of my problem. They all went into Saturday. They go into Saturday on Saturday morning. They wake up, and Baylor is four, TCU is five, and Ohio State is six, and Baylor and TCU win. And again, it doesn't matter how much you win by again. Remember, Floyd's told us it doesn't matter. And Ohio State wins by 70. And Ohio State jumps from 6 to 4. How'd that happen? Because it's a subjective test. And that's that's what it is. And I don't really love it, but 
It's better than the BCS, which they said, you know, they implemented to try to take out all subjectivity, and that just made things worse anyway, so who knows. 615-737-1025 on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. Patrick Mahomes is playing for the Chiefs. Can Ryan Tannehill outduel Mahomes? What would have to happen for him to do that? We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game.